What's going on, guys? It's Fancy Stock Exchange here, bringing you the 10th and 11th installments. You're going to see the 10th this upcoming Saturday or Saturday when you're watching this. And the 11th will be coming out on the following Wednesday. So as we mentioned, this ADP Battle Series is actually going to be break, breaking off every week into two separate segments now. So, uh, yeah, definitely a lot more material for you guys to indulge throughout the week. But uh, today I'm joined by a god, the god himself, FB God. How are you doing, Noah? I have to do that every time. <laughs> <laughs> There's two things I got to say. Number one, I'm not a god. I'm a fraud. Number two, I love hearing other people do intros while you're here because I suck at them myself. I'm not saying that you're bad, but it's like you can just tell it's awkward to try to talk oh. to like an audience when you're by yourself. It's just it's tough to do. And I've been trying to do it on our new channel. It's I just try to make it as fast as I can because I don't want to be talking too long. So I appreciate you for having me, Danny. We got we're going to talk about a guy that betrayed me, he left my team this offseason because he wanted the bag and they rightfully didn't give it to him. And then the second debate, I think on both these, we agree on the guys. And I think the second debate is a guy that just continually gets disrespected in the fantasy community. For sure. So uh, definitely, before we do that, though, let's hit the intro. Are you ready, Jim? I'm ready. just want to make sure you're ready, brother. Show me the money. Okay, so as Noah kind of, <laughs> of course, bro, of course. So, of course, uh, as we were kind of segueing into Noah was mentioning his guy, we're talking about the former Charger, the guy who signed with the Denver Broncos this offseason himself. And we're talking about Melvin Gordon. So, I'll start this one off. I mean, I'm using uh, expert consensus on this one. I know uh, his ADP is a little higher, a little uh, according on uh, Fantasy Pros, but throughout the series, we've been using the expert consensus. And as an as in terms of expert consensus ADP, he is completely disrespected. I saw an RB19 off the board in terms of ADP. Easily one of the biggest RB steals, in my opinion, at that low price overall. So the negative stigma we know about Melvin Gordon this offseason needs to stop. Oh, people are going to say, oh, he's in the committees with Philip Lindsay. Maybe like they put Royce Freeman in. I don't know. I don't fucking know what people. Is Royce Freeman still there? I thought he like died or something. I don't, I don't know. People try to like conjure up these like narratives and it's, it just makes me qu uh, quite sick to be frank. But for starters, when looking towards the roles of the players on new teams during an offseason, a good way to kind of project forward in terms of how they're going to use them is the money. Follow the money. And what we saw, especially at the running back position, is Melvin Gordon signed for two years, $16 million and $8 million average per year, which is basically, basically in terms of average per year, the same contract that Austin Eckler signed. And we saw how good Austin Eckler was with the team last year with the Chargers. So when you're, over, when you're actually matching Melvin Gordon's skill set to the team, as proven over the course of his five-year career, we know this. Let's just take the last two years, uh, you know, uh, the most recent we've seen him on the field. So in the last 23 games he's played over the course of the last two years, played 12 in 2018, played 11 last year after he held out, uh, Melvin Gordon was able to have 15 total touchdowns from inside the 20. Well, I will say, Philip Lindsay is a lot more efficient on the goal line than many would think. Oh, he's a small back. He's not going to be efficient. I do think at the minimum, this is going to be a timeshare 
in terms of goal line work between the two backs. I mean, uh, freaking Royce Freeman had 24 red zone attempts last year. You think he's even going to freaking touch the field this year? Yeah, okay. I'll, I'll, I'll be hard-pressed to see that. But in addition to cracking that goal line role for the Broncos, he has proven – Somehow, again, as we mentioned, this small, small stature uh, narrative that people like to cling to, he is so much better as a receiver than Philip Lindsay is. In fact, breaking down Philip Lindsay's efficiencies as a receiver is pretty disgusting when you look at it because this guy was the third least efficient back in terms of receiving lane last year. He, was, he actually had 48 targets last year, dropped seven of them, a clear weakness in his game that Gordon can easily step up and take uh, the role for the team. So what are your initial thoughts on uh, Gordon? Yeah, the thing about Philip Lindsay is he's basically a more healthy Matt Breida. Like he's a speedster that gets breakaway runs. And you think he's going to catch passes because he's like 5'8", a buck 85. But he just doesn't have that in his bag. You look at what Melvin Gordon is. Not only does he have the workhorse size, but last year after sitting out because he wanted his contract and then realizing nobody wanted to pay him because, I mean, he's not that good of a running back. Like he's, he's about league average. But behind this Broncos offensive line, I think that we're going to see a step up in his play because when we look at what he's done in the past, and I was saying like he's kind of a league average running back, it's also very situational based because the Chargers offensive line has not been good recently aside from 2018. 2018, they were sixth in adjusted line yards. And that's the year that Melvin Gordon was going off. Like He was legitimately the RB2 most of the season behind Todd Gurley in that season where he had like 24 touchdowns. And before his injury against the Cardinals, which was one of the dumbest play calls I've ever seen. The guy had like two touchdowns and then he tried to run like a double reverse and his knee just bent like inwards. It was, it was heartbreaking for me. But up until that point, he was legitimately the RB2 on the season. He was averaging, I think, 23 fantasy points a game, which would have been the RB2 this past season. And I'm not saying that he hasn't fallen off a bit from two years ago because now he is 27 years old and he's on a new team. But he moves to the Denver Broncos and they did lose their center but they replaced him with a third-round pick in Lloyd Cushenberry. And the Senate they lost, Connor McGovern, was about league average and run blocking. I think he was like 18th uh, yeah. in PFF grade among all centers. And then they also replaced Ronald Leary with Graham Glasgow. Graham Glasgow was a top-eight run blocking guard in the NFL last year. Ronald Leary was either like 62, 64, 68, one of those 60s. Either way, he fucking stunned. Michigan boy. They were, Michigan boy. Wasn't he on the, the what's it called? Cowboys for a little bit? Ronald Leary was on the Cowboys. Graham Glasgow came from my Michigan. So we're talking about two, two guys close to my heart. But, I mean, you mentioned Ronald Leary. At one point, yes, with the Cowboys, he was a very good guard. He was very good in, in terms of the run blocking game. Uh, we saw him in 2016 really have a good year. But, yeah, you mentioned, I mean, he's completely not the same player that he was in that time. After he uh, left Dallas, got the bag from the Broncos, he kind of just said, you know what, I'm going to chill now, right? I mean, can't, can't blame the guy. But, uh, yeah, now I can get your money, big man. But now he goes behind an offensive line that was 11th ranked last year. And although the center is moving, the fact that they make that big of an upgrade in guard play, I also think they lost their fullback in Andrew Janovich. That might be a complete lie. Maybe they re-signed him. Either way, yeah, either way, whatever happens, it's going to be a much better situation than what the Chargers had to offer last year. And even on the Chargers last year, his biggest point, the biggest like factor that brought in the points for him was his touchdown upside because he was splitting a backfield with Austin Eckler, who's a t- who's a reception monster, and he was still getting pat, uh, he was still getting targets. So what I see out of Melvin Gordon this year is basically a souped up Royce Freeman. Royce Freeman was still getting targeted despite not being good on those targets. Melvin Gordon's gonna be targeted and probably gonna be a lot better on those targets. He's also gonna get the goal line work that Royce Freeman was getting and probably eat into Leonard. Uh, Philip Lindsay's, I'm like, I always have Leonard Fournette in my mind. He's an eat into Philip Lindsay's goal line carries a little bit more than we saw with Royce Spring because, again, he's a better player. So 
seeing him going off the board as the RB19 when it might be a bold call, but I legitimately see top five running back upside in his range of outcomes this year. Not to say that's what I'm expecting, but a top 12 guy, not that it's a lock, but like I just, there aren't many other running backs as in, in as good of situations as Melvin Gordon this year, because although they add all these weapons through the passing game, Jerry Judy, Hamler, Albert O, like this is still a team with a quarterback that hasn't proven anything with a good run blocking O-line. Obviously they're going to want to run the ball, especially after paying a guy like Melvin Gordon this offseason. Also, they're in the AFC West, and the Chiefs, the Chargers, and the Raiders do not stop the run. That's six games a year where you can expect RB1 upside out of the guy. I, I fully agree. I mean, you took the words out of my mouth. You, you were mentioning his success. I mean, over the four years that he played uh, with the Chargers, uh, like after his rookie year, because we're not, we're not going to mention his rookie year because like his rookie yeah, year. We Mike all McCoy. Know. Anything with Mike McCoy can be just thrown in the garbage. Yeah, that, that, <laughs> for sure. But since uh, that Mike, those Mike McCoy days, he was the RB7 on points per game three years in a row, or RB7 three years in a row, or points per game, I don't know. Something like that, and then RB14 last he's year. Real good. He was really good. He's really good. He was top 10 back for the first three years, and then last year was the RB14, even though he played uh, in 11 games when Austin Eckler was just the man, as we know. But you were mentioning uh, in terms of the overall situation on the Broncos, I fully agree. I mean, their offensive line really improved. And uh, when you're talking about the coaching tendencies, I mean, we all know at this point, offensive coordinator, they signed Pat Shermer to join the team. Now, we've seen Pat Shermer has relied on a featured back, 65% opportunity share from the backfield or more in eight of the eight seasons that he's been the play caller. So, I mean, when you're able to kind of project this situation forward, people say, oh, uh, Eckler or uh, Gordon held out last year. Like, how is that going to affect uh, his overall touch baseline for the team uh, with the Chargers? I mean, the Broncos are definitely not worried about that because when you saw Melvin Gordon came back, 204 touches in 12 games, 15.1 PPR points per game. So he was still really effective. It just, just kind of got thrown under the radar just because we saw how good Austin Eckler really was last year. But, I mean, overall, just to kind of mention uh, Bell, because, like, whatever, we're not going to pick him. I mean, I don't mind him if you're taking him as, like, a low-end RB2, high-end three, simply because of a touch baseline system because of the volume play. But, man, like, I, so there's something about him. It's just I want to take a back that has legitimate top-10 upside, which I think Gordon has, as you mentioned, even, like, I wouldn't be surprised if he ranked at like the five spot, simply because of how efficient I think that offense can really be. But I mean, with Bell, I mean, we saw last year what happens when a situation turns sour. You're getting run to the ground, used up like pretty much fully. Like we saw, like he was a shell of himself last year. And yet he kind of gave you what? An RB 15, 16, I believe, ceiling. So, I mean, when you're drafting him overall, I mean, there's no way he can really improve in terms of overall volume from what he did last year. So if you're taking an inefficient back that you just need the volume to really give you a return on value, I just don't see that as being an optimal play. Cause at the end of the day, again, he's going off the board as a 401 with a guy in that range. I want them to have the, the upside to finish top 10 at their position. I just don't see it in the cards for bell, but what are your closing thoughts kind of on uh, bell uh, just to kind of briefly mention them? Yeah, I agree with you there. When you can get a guy like Melvin Gordon in this range, or even like a Chris Carson, I assume is going probably anywhere from like RB 17 to 22 around there. You want somebody that has upside because picking floor at this spot, like just fucking wait two rounds, take David Montgomery and get your RB 23 <laughs> on the season. That's going to give you nine and a half points a game. Like Le'Veon Bell, I don't think is a terrible running back in real life, but he has Sam Darnold, at quarterback. He has a rookie receiver, probably running that receiving corpse in Denzel Mims. Rashad Perriman, who has one of the worst hairlines I've ever seen and doesn't have any type of hands. Jamison Crowder, 
is that guy still a football player? Like, this team just has nothing to play for. Makai Becton, they bring him in, but isn't he, like, more of a developmental tackle? Like, it just yeah, it I doesn't mean, seem like a good situation. Their offensive line sucked ass last year. He caught a bunch of balls, but he was averaging, like, four yards a catch. Yeah. He ran a bunch of times. But he was averaging three yards a carry. He didn't score any type of touchdowns. If there was, like, a major change in scenery for him this year, like, if they all of a sudden went to an Indianapolis Colts type of offensive line, sure, I'd change my tune. But not enough has changed. In the New York Jets situation, I mean, I guess Sam Darnold isn't kissing hookers and getting mono every other day, but like, <laughs> funny enough did, about that, uh, when you're actually like, when you're no, but when you're actually mentioning like the games that Sam Darnold played versus the games that he missed, people, a lot of people who are actually like, I don't know if there's a lot of people hyping up Bell, but a lot of people are like, you know what, with Darnold back, he'll be back, he'll be ready, he'll be ready, yada yada yada. He actually averaged more points per game with. Darnold off the field than he did with Darnold on the field. Yeah, because Simeon and the other idiot were probably just throwing at him every single play. Luke Falk. So, yeah, it's it's not a pretty situation. If you want a safe floor, if you already somehow have two running backs and you want a third one just to throw on your flex, that's probably going to be better than – have more week-to-week consistency than any other receiver in that range. Sure, Le'Veon Bell isn't a bad pick, but I think we can get Melvin Gordon almost in the same range, maybe even a James Conner later, uh, Chris Carson. All these guys, even Le'Veon Bell, I guess, they're, they're going to lead their backfield in touches by a wide margin but they're in much better situations because, you know, the, the Jets have to go up against the Bills, who are pretty good defense, the Patriots, who are very good defense. And I just, at this point in his career, I don't have any trust in Sam Darnold leading the team down the field consistent enough for Le'Veon Bell to have any touchdown upside. And the efficiency for as good of a running back he may be, the efficiency just won't be there behind that terrible offensive line. I fully agree. I fully agree. But uh, yeah, overall, I feel like we kind of covered the basis of this ADP battle. This will be up on this Saturday. Uh, don't know the exact date but you guys know it's on saturday look that, that's, that's all we need to say It'll, but, i'll uh, help you out danny it'll be the 18th there you July go 18th. see i'm really bad with calendars but oh, overall my phone man 16 plus two but uh with that being said i uh, appreciate having you on again he uh noah is actually going to be on for the wednesday uh wednesday episode as well so tune in but if you haven't already like comment subscribe down below uh Go check out Noah. We're going to have him uh, linked in terms of his Twitter on the description of this video. And uh, with that being said, peace out, y'all. Peace.